It's been a weird week, hasn't it? I went for a run at 5 p.m. on Monday night, and I ran from my house that's uh, about on 5th Street uh, downtown, and I ran up Upper, went through downtown, went through campus, and I hit Hugelet. I took a left there, took another left on Rose, and I came home. That route normally would be full of cars, would be honking horns, be passing people, uh, going home from work, be breathing in the exhaust from the cars, but not on March 16th, 2020. There was about as much traffic out as there would be on a Sunday morning. It was really, really eerie. It made me think back to 19 years earlier. I was a junior at UK, and I went for a run. When I got home from my run, I saw the two towers in Manhattan crashing down. That was really eerie, too. And now there's the coronavirus. We're doing this weird thing called virtual worship, where I'm preaching into my computer in my newly constructed home office in my attic. The walls of my attic are spray foam. The floor is plywood. I enter the attic through a four-foot door. I kind of like my new digs, but I don't like virtual worship. Not being with you, talking to a microphone, is a really strange way to communicate. It just feels so one-sided. I'm used to you guys being on the other end. I miss you guys. So how should we think about all this? On the surface, this has been something between inconvenient and excruciating. So we need some footing. We need something to hold on to for stability. And that's what I'm going to try to attempt to do by looking at God's word. We're going to look beneath the surface. We're going to pull back the curtain to see what God says. We're going to look at a group of Psalms that have been especially meaningful to me over the years. Uh, they should be on the screen in front of you. I'd like for you to read them out loud with me. We'll start with Psalm 119, verse 50. This is my comfort and my affliction, that your promise gives me life. Psalm 119, verse 67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Psalm 119, verse 71. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. Psalm 119, verse 75. I know, O Lord, that your rules are righteous, and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. I have a low pain tolerance. I'm a really big fan of comfort. Give me three options, and I'm taking the one of least resistance every single time. But what we read here in these four psalms is that it's pain, it's affliction that brings the good stuff. In these four psalms, we see that affliction wakes us up to how God's promises bring life. It's an affliction that we learn to keep God's word. It's an affliction that we learn God's statutes. It's an affliction we experience the faithfulness of God. Those are all things that we want, don't we? Isn't that what you want? Don't you want to know how God's promises bring you life? Don't you want to learn to keep God's word? Don't you want to learn his statutes? Don't you want to experience his faithfulness? I do. I'm going to need to be afflicted. Ouch. I think that's what Jesus was talking about in John 15. We read that in our New Testament reading. Jesus using is using a horticultural metaphor. He's using words like vines and vine dresser and fruits and branches. And he's using all these to talk about kingdom realities. 
You've got the vine dresser, and the vine dresser is the father. He's the one who plants the vine. He's the one who ensures its continued growth and health. And you've got the vine. Jesus says, I am the vine. And then there's the branches, and the branches are God's people. You've got fruit. And fruit can be two things. It can be either new disciples, or it can be the new fruit of the Spirit, like love and joy and peace, etc. We read in John 15, there are some branches that if they have no fruit, they're cut down and thrown out because they're useless. But then there's other kinds of branches, and they do have fruit. But these fruitful branches, they get cut too. They're not cut down to be discarded, but they're pruned. And when a branch is pruned by the vine dresser, it's meant to make a branch produce the greatest amount of fruit. Jesus is saying that God is more concerned about our fruitfulness than he is our comfort. Pruning hurts. Affliction hurts. So how did the coronavirus hurt you this week? For some of us, we actually know someone who has it. We fear for their life, or we know someone who could get it. Someone who's at risk, and we fear for their life. Others of us, we've lost our jobs. We're not sure how we're going to get by. Others of us are fearful for our futures because our retirement account took a huge hit. Others of us are terrified of spending weeks in a mostly or fully quarantined state. Others of us have to learn how to homeschool our kids. We've got to learn how to work from home. Some of us are extroverts dying for some connection. And all these things sting. They hurt. That's because it's affliction. It's pruning. Jesus is making room for new fruit. But remember what fruit stands for. It stands for new disciples of Jesus. Fruit stands for additional love and joy and peace. So let's think about the new disciples that might come about because of all this. And it's been my experience that adults don't often come to faith unless they go through a season of suffering. Sometimes we think that Adults come to faith because of some winsome witness. We think they come to faith because of a, a clear, rational defense of the Christian truth. We think that's what's going to turn the key of the hearts of our unbelieving family and friends. And those things are really important. A winsome witness is important. A rational defense of the Christian faith is important. But nothing works quite like suffering. I remember a very good friend of mine that I'd been praying for for years. He didn't come to faith uh, until his girlfriend broke up with him and he became suicidal. He woke up to the reality of Jesus. Then I know others, other adults who've come to faith because of an unexpected pregnancy or a divorce or getting arrested or having their lives fall apart because of an addiction. It makes sense, right? It's in suffering that we see the darkness in our own hearts and we cry out for someone to save us. Well, maybe that's you. Maybe the Christian faith has made sense to you intellectually for a long time. Maybe it's never hit you at a heart level until now. Now you know you need Jesus like you need your next breath. Well, if that's you, then today might be the day of salvation for you. Or maybe you see this as a special opportunity. You see this as an opportunity for 
you're hurting friends, you're hurting neighbors, you're hurting coworkers, you're hurting family members to come to faith. It's not until now that you really see that you have an opportunity here. You have the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus with them. And that's fruit, and that's the fruit that comes via pruning. But remember, there's a second kind of fruit here. And the second kind of fruit is godly character. It's the fruit of the Spirit. You see it in Galatians 5. Galatians 5 says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I want you to think back to March 1st, just three weeks ago. It seems like 200 days ago, but it's just 21 days ago. And most of us had little idea that in three weeks we'd be in this state. And I bet if you were asked on March 1st, hey, if you were asked, would would you like to be able to love more fully? Would you like to be able to love more effectively? I can almost guarantee you'd have said yes. We all want to love more fully and more effectively. I bet if you were asked on March 1st, hey, would you like to remain faithful and doing something hard but necessary? You would have said yes. If you were asked on March 1st, would you like to exhibit more patience and gentleness and self-control with your children? You would have said absolutely. Well, you know where this is going. The only way we get these character qualities is if we are pruned, if we are afflicted. See, maybe during the quarantine, maybe during all this social distancing, during the job stress or the job loss, during the homeschooling, you find that God is trying to get your attention. He's trying to show you that there's opportunities. There's opportunities for you to see those you dearly love come to faith. He's trying to show you that he's trying to develop new depths of character in your soul. And you know what's going to happen when you see those loved ones come to faith? You know what's going to happen when you see these new character qualities come about in your soul? You know what you're going to do? You're going to sing. And you might just sing the lyrics to the song that are at the end of this obscure book in the Old Testament. At the end of Habakkuk, Habakkuk writes these lyrics to this song. He writes, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines. The produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, and the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Let's pause there for a second. I know we're not all that familiar with fig trees or fruits on vines or olive trees or fields with no food or... uh, or or herds in the stalls. But we are familiar with stock market crashes. We are familiar with loss of jobs. We are familiar with not knowing how we're going to pay rent. We are familiar with depression, right? Well, that's what he's saying. Even though all those things exist, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will make joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places. What a beautiful song. I think Jesus sang that kind of song. And he sang in the midst of his suffering. He knew that his suffering had a purpose. He knew it wasn't haphazard. He knew his suffering was necessary if you and I were going to come about. He knew he was 
going, he was learning obedience through his suffering, just like we learn to love and to be gentle and to have peace in the midst of our suffering. So you see it. These are the results. These are the fruits of our suffering. But what's the cause? Why? Why the coronavirus? It's a doozy of a question, huh? And here's my great big theological answer. I don't know. I don't know why God allowed the coronavirus into the world any more than I know why he allowed the serpent into the Garden of Eden. But I do know that there's two possible explanations that are off the table. Well, for one, he he didn't send the virus to punish sin. See, God punished the sin of people completely and fully on his beloved son, Jesus Christ. And because that's true, there's nothing left for God to punish the cross was enough. The second explanation that's now off the table is that God allowed the coronavirus to happen because he's too far removed from us to even care. Well, that can't be true. Just again, just look at the cross. The cross proves his infinite love for you because it costs him everything. And the way you know how much someone loves you is by how much they sacrifice for you. Imagine it's Christmas time. You have a rich aunt and a poor aunt. The rich aunt unloads gifts on you, loads you down with them every year. And you have a poor aunt. And you know she's scraping together everything she can for that gift card. You know she's wordsmithing every word in that Christmas card. So who loves you more? Well, probably the poor aunt because she sacrificed more. See, Jesus gave his whole life. He had nothing more to give. He held nothing back in order to convince your heart, to convince my heart that he loves us. So brothers and sisters, as we wade through these trying times as we ask these really hard questions. Let's not forget that Jesus loves us. And he loves us enough to prune us that we might become even more fruitful. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you that you love us. And Lord, I pray that we would see the ways that you're at work in us to convert those around us or that you would see the ways that you're working in us to produce the fruit of your spirit. And Lord, I I pray as we ask the question why, uh, that we would be further convinced that you love us. Oh, Lord Jesus, we need you every hour, especially in this one. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.